Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources with Lloyd Matheson. President Joe Biden will deliver his first State of the Union address tonight, 7 p.m. Mountain Time. We'll take that live here on KSL News Radio. All the eyes of all the world really will be on the president. Uh, a lot of things happening, obviously, and things that everyone wants to hear about, whether it's inflation, what's happening in Ukraine, uh, and a host of other issues that uh, are on the agenda, to be sure. But I want to take you behind the scenes just a little bit. Uh, to see how this actually takes place. Most people, speaking in public is a terrifying thing in and of itself. But when you start thinking about crafting this kind of significant speech or address, uh, the behind-the-scenes work is is really amazing to watch. So we called in our ultimate inside source when it comes to all things writing, Michael Conley, former Senate staffer. He's currently the founder and principal of Inkling Communications, an extraordinary group uh, who's literally had speeches delivered Millions of words published uh, around the world, rarely with his name on it, uh, because he understands the art of the speech writer. And he joins us on the line now from Washington, D.C. Michael, how you doing? I'm well, boy. How are you? <laughs> doing great. Uh, so you've you've been behind the scenes in a, in a lot of high stakes uh, speeches that need to be delivered. I, I want our listeners just to get a little sense of the, the process uh, of writing this kind of speech uh, that literally the world is going to be watching. Uh, so where do you begin as a speechwriter? Um, sure, it's a, it's a great question. And, and I think, you know, the the answer, as with so many, um, uh, you know, projects in life, is you begin with the end in mind. Um, you know, the, the, what really matters in the speech is not the A to the Y, right? It's the Z. It's the thing at the end. Just like in a business, what really matters is the customer experience with the product or the service. Um, in politics, uh, what matters is the impact of the policy on ordinary people's lives. And in a speech, it's, it's the audience. <clears throat> How do you want them to take away from it? Um, in a state of the union, that can be hard because it's, it's, it's such a, a, a long uh, – it's, it's a very long speech. You know, they usually run 45 minutes or longer with all the applause and everything. It usually goes on past an hour, and most people aren't paying close attention for that whole hour. It's usually the first few minutes. Um, and so you really have to try to figure out what it is you want to accomplish out of this and then work backwards from there. So you think about the audience. You think about what it is you want the audience to take away from it, who the audience is, um, and then and then you craft a speech for them. Yeah. For the State of the Union, right, the audience, you have several different audiences. You have the people in Congress. Um, but at the same time, when was the last time you saw a president really persuade a member of Congress about something? They usually have their mind made up yeah. early on in the process. 
Um, you know, the world is obviously going to be watching. I think that's an important audience, especially with the, the circumstances of what's going on in Ukraine. Um, and then obviously the American people are going to be watching. But even there, your hard left and your hard right have already made up their mind um, about Biden and certainly about Biden vis-a-vis the 2022 and the 2024 coming up elections. You're talking to the middle, you know, 60 percent of the country who might still be persuadable. Persuadable. Uh, And I think that's who Biden really needs to talk to tonight. Yeah, so important. And uh, I think that punch through strategy of what do you want people to feel, to take away, to walk away with, to do next? Uh, And and I think also that case uh, of the attention span of of most folks is is not real long. A 45 minute speech uh, plus the applause, which I think they should outlaw the applause. Uh, right. <laughs> you, you really have to start looking at front loading your message to some degree in, in order uh, to be able to grab people's attention enough and get that key point. You can't save it necessarily for the end. You, there may be nobody right. listening. Uh, I, I wanted to ask you specifically, uh, because this is an interesting challenge that most people don't think about when it comes to speech writing. So obviously every speaker, whether it's a president or a senator or a, a business executive, they all have different styles and different strengths. As the speechwriter, how do you navigate that? Obviously, a President Biden versus, say, a President Obama, uh, those, they can just do different things rhetorically. How do you approach that in terms of – and what should we be looking for from President Biden? What should his speechwriters be looking at to put him in the best possible position tonight? Uh, it's a great question. You, you know, like a coach of a sports team, right? If you have guys who can run, then you have to run. If you have you know, bigger, stronger, slower guys, then you've got to play a slowdown. Uh, kind of style of play. Uh, uh, a, a rhetorician, an orator like Obama, uh, or like Reagan certainly could be, or John Kennedy, you, you have this sort of electrifying, performative uh, side of things. Whether you like him or not, he was a very, very talented speech giver, yeah. um, whether you liked what he had to say or not. Biden is not like that. Um, and he, was, he wasn't like that when he was in his prime, and he's not really in his prime anymore. Um, but I think actually that plays to his – it could and it should play to his advantage tonight. Um, if I were, were working for him and working on this uh, with him, I would really – I think my thought, my read on this would be that the biggest problem that President Biden is facing right now is not Ukraine, and it's not even inflation or the border crisis, <clears throat> which are, are huge problems, and people are very frustrated about them, and to some extent they blame the president for them. I think what people are most upset about is the sense of detachment that all these things have been going on for a year, and the president doesn't seem to be doing anything about them. Mm. You know, Afghanistan was his decision, and that went badly. That's something that's obviously going to hurt his polling, his standing with the electorate. Um, But things like the masking now just coming off, things like the border crisis, um, you know, things like his, his fumfering around on, on energy and oil drilling and opening up federal lands and pipelines and things. Those are all, they seem, I think, to most Americans as things that a president could be doing to pretty easily address some of these problems. And he's been focused on Build Back Better and saying that we need to keep them. He still walks around the White House with a mask. It, it, it just seems like he's disconnected and that his, going back to the point of the audience, it feels like the White House for the first year of Biden's term, that their audience has been liberal Twitter. Mm-hmm. Has been sort of the the, the upwardly you know uh, antagonistic woke left, um, which was never really Biden's brand before right. the day before yesterday. And I think if he gave a real workmanlike speech and and talked about some bipartisan things that he was going to do to address the you know the pocketbook issues like energy, like immigration, 
um, like inflation, certainly. Um, I, I think he could go a long way because you don't get the impression people hate Biden. You get the impression that people are, are getting impatient with what seems to be his lack of urgency in dealing with what seem to be obvious problems. Yeah, that, that disconnect, I think uh, I think you've hit on a, a key component there. So let's look at that in the context of, of this speech. You talk about doing kind of a, a workman, yeoman kind of uh, approach to it. Uh, what is it that he could do or say or frame or, or maybe even with tone uh, that could help kind of bridge that gap yeah. uh, between – the what the administration has been talking about and what the American people have been living and feeling. I think right at the top of the speech, you should signal um, that this isn't going to be one of those speeches with all the pomp and circumstance. If I were writing it, honestly, I would tell him, like, you know what, the first two lines of the speech, you should say, thank you, Mr. Speaker. You know, my fellow Americans, I'm only going to talk to you for about 20 minutes tonight. Mm. Um, then you might really get people to tune in. It's like, wow, I have 20 minutes. I can listen to that. And then rather than trying to frame everything in, in some sort of you know, rhetorical artifice, you simply say, I, I think we have five big problems that we're facing right now. We've got the situation in Ukraine. We've got the situation on the border. We've got the situation with the inflation. Um, you know, and then throw in a couple of, of you know, kind of energy environment stuff, whatever, um, and then something for, for your left um, uh, flank as well. And really just say what you're going to do, two or three things on each of those major issues that are simple, um, that aren't going to require thousand-page, trillion-dollar legislation, um, and just kind of level with the American people because there just seems to be a lot of low-hanging fruit. Um, that low-hanging fruit is not really going to appeal to the the you know your AOCs and your Senator Warren and your Senator Sanders, but it's going to appeal to the fifty percent of the country that I think is getting very frustrated and impatient mm-hmm. with the president who just want to see some progress, and that. Honestly, this is the strangest thing about Biden's first term is the the approach I just described is kind of who he was for most yeah. of his career, yeah. or at least who he presented himself to be, whether it was an act or not. But he was never, you know, some some left wing culture warrior. That was never his brand. Right. And it's frankly why he won the, the Democratic nomination and why he's president. Right. So I think if he leaned back into what he used to be, which used to be his comfort level, mm. if he still has that in him, I think there's still a lot of room for him to to make some 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 progress, both on his own approval ratings uh, and on addressing some of the American people's concerns. Uh, fantastic. Michael Conley, former Senate staffer. He is the founder and principal of Inkling Communications. If you have any writing, he's the guy to go to. If you want to learn how to write, by the way, uh, he's also the guy you should go to. Again, it's Inkling Communications. Michael Conley, uh, one of the great thinkers and absolutely the most extraordinary writer that you haven't heard about in the country. Michael, thanks for joining us today. You are too kind, Boyd. Thank you so much. All right. All the best. Great insight there in terms of what's happening and what should happen uh, in the waning moments here as the president gets ready to deliver his first State of the Union speech. We're going to step aside for bottom of the hour news. Coming up, governments around the world are preparing for what will be a massive refugee and humanitarian crisis. What should the U.S. be doing? Let's talk about it coming up next. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? 
I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.